Hello and welcome to Sideline Story, a podcast all about sports and sports stories behind the scene. I'm Yang Guang, and joining us here today, as usual, are Brandon Gates and Fu Yu. The two finalists of the UEFA Champions League this season has been confirmed. Liverpool powered through with a comeback victory against the Villarreal. In a more dramatic tie, Real Madrid edged past Manchester City in extra time before scoring two goals in the final minutes to level the aggregate score. Today we will recap this thrilling match and try to find out what went wrong for City. Stay tuned. First of all, what a game in Madrid! When everyone was expecting City to progress, Real produced one of the most memorable comebacks to reach the Champions League final. Rodrigo scored twice in final two minutes to force extra time before Karim Benzema scored the winner to send Real in the final. This is why we love the Champions League. But when the magical day is over and we look back at the game and the entire two-leg tie, City seemed to be the better side for most of the time. They beat Real 4-3 at home in a game where they could have scored way more than four goals with so many chances created and wasted. In the second leg, they broke deadlock. And had opportunities to even double their lead. However, from there, Real totally took control and scored two astonishing goals and dragged the game into an extra time. Brendan, how did City blow the lead? I think a lot of it has to do with the first leg. I think that they were so dominant in that first leg, and they really should have um, they should have ended proceedings in that first leg. I think they let Real Madrid back into the game. I mean, when I say let, I mean obviously Real Madrid are one of the biggest teams, or not if not the biggest team in Europe. You know, of course they have the the best history in in the Champions League over the course of the whole history of the Champions League, and I think. The fight back that Real Madrid had in that first leg to to bring it back to only a one goal deficit, I think that was a, a massive influence on particularly Real Madrid mentally going into the second leg. Um, but just going back to that first leg, I think you know the fact that Manchester City didn't have um, fullbacks in that first leg, I think that really um, hurt them quite badly because you obviously had the likes of Vinicius and uh, Rodrigo, mm-hmm. who have so much pace and creativity going down the left and right flanks, and of course providing. Uh, service to Karim Benzema, who is in the form of his life right now. He's probably the best striker in the world at, at the moment on in terms of form. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in the second leg, you know, I, I agree with you. I think that City were the better side. I mean, Bernardo Silva was having a phenomenal game. They were creating numerous chances, and I think that um, their finishing really let them down. And I think that will be interesting going into the transfer market because I think that City should really go all out for a strike. And I think Erling Haaland. Should be that man, <laughs>、um, and I also think that defensively they didn't look that strong. I think you know the likes of、uh, Ruben Diaz, who was captain on the night in the second leg, he looked a bit shaky at times.、Mm-hmm. Um, and I think Laporte was also quite quiet, which is quite strange for them because they're normally both very consistent and strong defensively. But then, with that being said, Real Madrid. You know they showed such determination and such quality, and they、mm-hmm. really took their chances when they came. I mean, they didn't have、uh, many chances, but they really did convert them when they came. You know, when Rodrigo scored、um, in the 89th minute, I think that really shook City, and I think that they started to panic. And then Real Madrid really capitalized、mm-hmm. on that. So, 
I think over the course of the two legs, you know, Manchester City, I think even Real Madrid fans could potentially admit that Manchester City were the better side overall. But, some, you know, that's what we love about football. Sometimes the best yeah. teams don't win. I think often it's just the teams that, you know, have the, the, the strongest mental fortitude and the ones that take their chances when they come to them. And I think Real Madrid showed that they have the ability to do that. And, of course, that the reason that they can do that is because they're so experienced in the Champions League. Mm-hmm. Indeed. If Manchester City players could grasp one of two chances after scoring the first goal, then they could easily progress. But um, it proved, again, Real Madrid is a Champions League team. For the final 10 minutes or so in the return leg, to me, it was not the City uh, we saw in the first leg or in the first um, 80 minutes of the return leg. They were playing entirely defensively, trying to keep the lead to the end. Uh, like how they played in the second half against Atletico Madrid in the quarterfinal return leg. In that match, City almost conceded goals. It's it's like when City holds the lead, they suddenly don't know how to play. They become conservative and hesitant. Um, the City has reached the Champions League quarterfinals for five consecutive seasons, but always failed when it mattered most. For you, why did they come short again and again? It's really hard to explain what happened in the closing minutes of the game. And uh, it was definitely a big surprise for Real Madrid to produce that huge comeback. Um, I think in the first leg, it seemed like a success for City. But we also have to note their lack of efficiency. Um, like you both said, they could have scored more and killed the tie if Riyad Mahrez or Phil Foden had scored the goal when they had the chance. So that's in the first leg, left the door open for Real Madrid. Mm -hmm. And let's not forget how they've managed to come this far in the Champions League this season before they met City. Um, Real Madrid overcame both Paris Saint-Germain and Chelsea by overturning the first leg deficit. Mm -hmm. So this time the recipe is also familiar for them. I even think they might have less pressure playing from a trailing position. They might not have performed so well if they had won the first leg. Um, hmm. And also um, man of the game or man of the games, Karim Benzema is such a prominent hmm. figure. He's the key in almost all these moments where um, Real Madrid came back from the dead. Like in the second leg against City, he assisted one goal and scored a penalty to seal the deal. Of course, it'd be him, and I'm not surprised at all. He is the man to count on once again at a moment that's life or death for mm. uh, the team. Mm -hmm. And finally, in the second leg, I don't think City did too shabby other than their issue with efficiency. But I think that's always a problem when you go for possession. Um, because Pep Guardiola's Bayern Munich also had the same problem. Um, mm. Anyway, City still had possession even after Madrid equalized the aggregate score. Or at least City were still trying to maintain possession. But what I think uh, that tipped the balance was by the time it was all square and with so little time left, City wanted to take it into penalties while Los Blancos were focused on yes. finishing the business mm. as soon as possible. Fuyu, I completely agree with you. And you know what I find interesting is that 
you know, like you said, when City build up a lead, or a lead in the Champions League, all of a sudden they become defensive and they look a little bit like cautious or they lack confidence or there's a, a mentality shift, which I find very strange because in the Premier League, when they take the lead, then they start going for more goals. You know, they won three, four, five goals and they, they, they look so confident and they make the other teams look like they're not even in the game. You know, they kind of turn mm. it into like an almost practice match and the other teams can't mm. touch the ball. And I don't understand why they can't do the same thing in the Champions League, why they can't maintain that same level of confidence and that, that same kind of tactic of, OK, we've got a goal. Now let's try and go and get some more and, you know, back themselves defensively. And they don't have to all sit behind the halfway line and have the whole team defending because they've got great defensive players. I mean, they've got great uh, defensive midfielders. You know, they've got Fernandinho and Rodri and they've got Diaz and Laporte and John Stones at the back. So I'm not sure why they um, lack that confidence that they show in the Premier League, in the Champions League. It's a very, it's a very bizarre thing. It's almost like, mm. I don't know if it's the players themselves or it's Pep Guardiola because he's, you know, I'm sure he's desperate to win a Champions League title with Manchester City. And I don't think he's won a Champions League title uh, since he left Barcelona. So I think he mm. may be a little bit nervy when it gets to the Champions League. And I think maybe that nerve nervousness kind of filters down to the players. But there's definitely a visually obvious lack of confidence in Manchester City in the Champions League as opposed to the Premier League. And I don't understand it because I think some of the um, the competition that they face in the Premier League in terms of the teams that they play are actually a lot stronger than some of the Champions League opposition that they faced. Yeah, I believe so many fans also sensed differences um, between the performances of Man City in the Premier League and the Champions League. Well, for City manager Pep Guardiola, it's certainly a result tough to take. Um, he said after the match that his players didn't play their best, unable to finish the game. Um, it may be a right choice of words. His team just couldn't finish the game when the game was in their favour in the past few seasons of the Champions League matches, for example, um, against Tottenham, against Monaco. Uh, Guardiola has once claimed that Premier League is much more important than the Champions League. It needs consistency. While Champions League is complicated, many things d- depend on one moment. Well, he proved his point. City won three Premier League titles under Guardiola in the past five seasons and is in high expectations to win another this year. That's a very successful feat, considering so many powerhouses in England. Then the same would go for the Bundesliga when he was in charge of Bayern Munich. He won three league titles with Bayern in the three years he stayed in Germany, but failed all three years in the Champions League. Um, why has Pep Guardiola done better always in domestic leagues than Champions League? I think, like you said, you know, uh, and like Pep said, uh, in the domestic leagues, you need consistency. And I think that Manchester City, you know, for well, let's start with the Premier League. Manchester City are const- consistently the best side. Um, you know, they, they generally have a very strong defense. They have unbelievable midfielders that hang on to possession and they've got uh, quality attackers, although I still believe that their lack of striker is costing them. You know, I think if they had an out striker, um, you know, that could stay healthy for the whole season, I think they would win the Premier League by 10, 15 points and they could potentially win the Champions League as well. I think, like Pep said, and like you said, um, in the Champions League, sometimes it does come down to a moment or, you know, um, just luck on the night or, you know, someone's ability to keep their nerve 
I think something that could be potentially something that um, Pep Guardiola sides in the past um, with Bayern Munich and with and now with Manchester City have kind of struggled with. And I'm not sure, you know, like I was saying earlier, I'm not sure if it's the players themselves or Pep Guardiola because I think, you know, while he was at Barcelona, of course, he had so much success domestically and on the European stage. Mm-hmm. And I guess he just assumed that that, that that would follow when he joined other massive teams like Bayern Munich and um, Manchester City. And it just hasn't really happened for him. And I think it could be a mentality. I think um, they definitely, like I was saying earlier, there seems to be a shift in mentality when his teams play in the Champions League and they seem to lack the confidence that they have in the domestic leagues. And I think that that's something they really need to work on. I think that they need to, particularly Manchester City right now, I think they need to have that belief that they are the best team generally on the on the night and over the course of the season. And they should have the confidence to go out and try and outscore teams um, when they're playing in knockout competitions because I think they have the ability to do so. We've seen them wipe out teams in the Premier League and good teams. In terms of how they can potentially resolve things maybe tactically next season going into the Champions League, I think Mm -hmm. one thing that they definitely need is a striker. And as a Manchester United fan, it pains me to say this, but I think Erling Haaland would be perfect for them, even though Mm -hmm. I would love to see him at Manchester United. I think that, you know, he's young, he's dynamic, um, you know, he's strong, he's fast, he is an unbelievable goal goal scorer, and I think that he would have a massive impact on Manchester City. Having said that, we've seen these Mavericky type of players come to Manchester City and kind of lose their way of playing because, of course, they all have to fall into Pep Guardiola's tactics. I think we've Mm -hmm. kind of seen it with Jack Grealish, who hasn't, I mean, he hasn't been playing badly, but I don't think he's reached the levels that we were hoping that he would reach, you know, with that £100 million uh, price tag and with how well he was carrying Aston Villa. um, I think he's just kind of had to change his tactics to fit fit in with Pep Guardiola. So it it would be interesting to see um, how Erling Haaland would handle Manchester City or any striker that comes into Manchester City. But I think most football fans can agree that they need an Arsenal striker to convert the numerous chances that they have. Mm-hmm. Let's see the possible signing of Erling Haaland and uh, potential arrival of other players can change this city. Um, for you, do you think Pep Guardiola's team has this quality as as less brave than teams like Real Madrid in the Champions League when it matters the most? Yeah, I, like I said, I've noticed that they were less confident uh, when it come, when the time comes that they could have killed the tie or be dragged into penalties or extra time or whatever. And as for why Pep Guardiola has always done better at domestic leagues than in the Champions League, I always keep asking myself the same question since his times at Bayern Munich. I think he is so successful at domestic leagues because all his clubs, no matter if it's in La Liga, the Bundesliga or the Premier League, um, are all heavyweights that are already established and successful Mm -hmm. at home. And in turn, Guardiola only has eyes for such teams because he's clearly ambitious for top-level honors and not interested in bringing, for example, a relegation-threatened team out of danger. So no matter uh, which of Europe's top five leagues he arrives at, he always has a good foundation to build upon. But if you put his teams in the mix within Europe, there are so many peers from the other elite leagues that they have to defeat in order to win the Champions League. 
we all know that things are so hard and unpredictable. Um, injuries, forms, or um, any other thing that might happen on and off the pitch could make a difference, even if you are a hundred percent prepared. So I understand that it takes some luck to win the Champions League, and there's no guarantee for success for anyone. Mm-hmm. Um, well, City had another disappointing season in the Champions League. Real Madrid announced that they are back. I, I still remember before the City Real matchup, we discussed who was the favorite to um, progress, and we mentioned that Real has these Champions League genes. We were right.、Um, Real can always plot some shocking dramas in this competition. Um, Carlo Ancelotti also said in the post-game press conference that it's the history of Real that kept them going forward. Real has had some similar performances in the previous ties, as Fuyu mentioned. Either when they played against PSG or Chelsea in the knockout stage, they fought from behind to progress and marched all the way into the Champions League final.、Uh, last time they were in the final of the showpiece event was four years ago, when Cristiano Ronaldo was still on the team, along with Sergio Ramos, Rafael Varane, and、uh, Iker Casillas. Gareth Bale was still in the lineup. Since then, Real had some difficult time finding the right place. Eden Hazard was called the worst signing in club history. Zidane's return didn't help the team that much.、Um, however, this season they seem to return to the winning ways across different competitions. They dominated in the domestic league, securing the title with four games remaining. They showed great form in the Champions League. Um, except the embarrassing four-nil loss to El Clasico rival Barcelona midway through the season, they were rather consistent in face-to-face matchups with、uh, title rivals and other European powerhouses.、Uh, young talents Vinicius, Rodrigo, and Eduardo Camavinga have grown rapidly. Karim Benzema has been outstanding the entire season, and is now even deemed as the favorite for the Ballon d'Or award. Other veterans like Luka Modric still keep a high level of competitiveness.、Um, Brendan, has Real Madrid finished rebuilding a reliable team since、uh, Ronaldo and、uh, that bunch of players left the team? I think they've got a fairly reliable team, but in terms of becoming, you know, out and out dominant force again, I think that there's still some work to be done. I think、mm-hmm. this season, what's really helped them is that their stars that have really performed in you know seasons where they were really dominant. Of course, Karim Benzema has really been in unstoppable form, and then their their midfield trio, Casemiro,、uh, Modric, and Toni Kroos, have also found form and they're performing exceptionally well. And Thibaut Courtois, when he came in, the goalkeeper, he was a little bit inconsistent, but now he's really、um, become a dominant force, and he's probably one of the best goalkeepers in Europe right now. So I think. That spine of Real Madrid, I think the fact that they've been performing really well, I think that's been a key element to their success this season. And、um, I think that there's still some work to be done. I think that defensively they still look a little bit shaky. I think Militao is a talent, but he still looks a little bit inconsistent and a bit rash. For me, you never know if he's going to have a good game or a bad game. And、um, you know, in that game against Manchester City, Nacho also had a particularly good game, but I don't think he's the man to take Real Madrid forward into the future. I think the signing of Antonio Rudiger、um, from Chelsea. I think that's going to have a massive impact on Real Madrid、mm-hmm. defensively. I think that's going to be a very good signing for them, and I can see Rudiger and Alaba、um, as the centre backs doing very, very well for Real Madrid. So I think that's a good move for them. 
And then in midfield, I think, yeah, Kamavinga looks like a real talent for the future. And I think that the fact that he's there to come off the bench and, you know, kind of give those midfield, the midfield trio a bit of a break, I think that's um, been key for Real Madrid as well. But I think into the future, I think they're going to need um, to find some replacements, particularly for Modric and for Cruz. So I think that there's still some recruitment that needs to be done in midfield. And then in attack, if Real Madrid managed to bring in Kylian Mbappe, I know that he's locked in negotiations with PSG and he hasn't I don't think he's decided if he's going to stay with PSG or make the move to Real Madrid but I think if he does come to Real Madrid I think that their attack for next season is definitely um, sorted out I think with Benzema up front and then Vinicius down the right and then Mbappe down the left I think that can be an unbelievable attack Mm -hmm. for you how would you compare this Real Madrid team with the Real Madrid team four years ago uh, with Ronaldo and um, Sergio Ramos and other uh, players still on the team? Um, the Real Madrid this season have at least maintained their consistency in La Liga and they haven't lost their Champions League gene without Ronaldo. If you look at how they did this season, um, what's interesting is that Ronaldo could be a part of this rebuilding process. Um, there are rumors that Ronaldo could leave Manchester United mm-hmm. and return to Real Madrid this summer. And if he makes a comeback, he could partner with Kylian Mbappe to spearhead the attacks, which I don't think is completely impossible. I think that will be a new era for the team of the galaxy as mm-hmm. Real Madrid are known in China. And if Ronaldo does end up in Madrid, he may not even need such a long time to adapt because many of the players that won previous Champions League titles with him are still there. Uh, Tony Cruz, Luka Modric, and Casemiro are just some of the names uh, that immediately came to my mind. And earlier this morning, uh, when I was doing my research, uh, I think one article said that at least 13 players that won the last Champions League at Real Madrid are still with the squad. Mm-hmm. So if uh, if uh, Ronaldo arrives in Madrid this summer, he may even enjoy a few more highly pr- prolific seasons before the end of his career. Mm-hmm. The season is not over and we are already talking about the transfer gossips. Um, well... <laughs> Real will next face Liverpool, the same opponents they met four years ago in the Champions League final. The two teams underwent many changes in these four years. We've talked about how Real rebuilt the team. Well, Liverpool made some upgrades of their squads. I would personally call it Liverpool Plus, as they have so many world-class players on the team right now. And their depth has also been improved and don't forget, they now have a more reliable goalkeeper. Um, just very briefly, who has the better chances of winning? For me, it's Liverpool. I think my just, you know, in terms of form and in terms of momentum right now, like you said, I mean, Liverpool have been performing exceptionally well throughout the entire season. They have so much depth in all areas of the pitch, defence, midfield and attack, um, and that, you know, Uh, Jurgen Klopp and the recruitment team have done some unbelievable recruitment over the last couple of seasons and they've got two or three options in every every area of the pitch so I think that um, and also Liverpool probably feel like they have a score to settle um, considering that last Champions League loss where Karius had an absolute nightmare and Salah got injured and that kind of thing so I think Liverpool will be extremely motivated going into that final Mm -hmm. 
Fui, what do you think? About this Champions League, I've already been wrong once when I said Man City will reach the final. <laughs> so I'm very cautious about making a prediction again. But I think both teams deserve the title no matter who wins it because mm. this season they are two of Europe's best teams. Liverpool, of course, have been ruthless during their campaign and I wouldn't be surprised if they ride on that success and turn it into a trophy. But on the other hand, Real Madrid have brought us so much drama and entertainment. Uh, I mean, if if they could survive three knockout stages in the Champions League coming from behind all three times, they could definitely do it again in the final. Mm-hmm. All right. Would Liverpool get its revenge or would Real Madrid extend its record in winning Champions League titles? I just cannot wait to watch this highly anticipated clash. Okay, with that, we will wrap up this episode of Sideline Story. For more information, you can also check our website, radio.cgtn.com. See you next time at Sideline Story. Sideline Story